Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Everyday Strong with Dr. Michael G. Downs. This is your host, C.B. Baker. We are back and we got some more questions that we're going to be answering on in marriage. Mm-hmm. And um, what if somebody is brought, what if God brings somebody into your life? Does that make the relationship easier to um, come to fruition and the marriage much easier? And also how to handle it if you get married if you're unsaved and you get married and then you become saved or one spouse becomes saved and the other one does not. Mm-hmm. And how does that work in the whole grand scheme of things? So welcome to the show, Dr. Daniels. Hey, it's, it's, it's good to be here. And, and that's a good question. Um, you know, it, it are really, I, I think one that you know, most of us, and I say us because, you know, I'm included in that as well, um, don't really give a whole lot of thought to. You know, uh, because we live in a different time, a different generation. Um, you know, in times past, if you think about it, you know, you didn't choose your spouse. You know, in biblical times, we what we call biblical times, as if right. we're not still making biblical history because we are. But if you think about the Old Testament times and New Testament, those, in those times, you didn't choose your spouse. You know, your parents chose your spouse. And 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 they did it um, in in theory with uh, greater knowledge of you, your character, but your you know, but also what it took to have a good marriage. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that um, you knew that your spouse was the one that God had lined up for you, but it was a greater probability, and it was greater probability because um, the, the Bible sets up a standard for how you choose a spouse in both Old and New Testament, right? In the, in the Old Testament, they were not to marry strangers. In other words, they were only to marry people of the Hebrew faith, you know, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That was a requirement that they were bound by. Uh, in the New Testament, and it says, you know, that we are not to be unequally yoked so right. that the saved should not marry those individuals that are not saved. So it's a similar kind of thing that the Bible teaches us. Um, so, you know, I, I think the question is there is that, well, because we don't adhere to those um, requirements anymore. I mean, you know, there's no requirement in our culture that you marry somebody that's with in, in, in the same faith that you are. You know, there's no requirement that a Baptist marry a Baptist or, a, you know, a Baptist could marry a, 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 someone of the Hebrew faith or a Jew if they, you know, if they let them, right? And there's no requirement that a Baptist can't marry a Buddhist or, or vice versa. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great question is that um, how do you do that? And, and is, it, is it easier? Because the, the assumption is if your spouse is a helpmeet, right? If God has put them there to be a helpmeet to you, then that means that God has a purpose for you. And if God has a purpose for you, then how can that person be a helpmeet to you for your purpose if it wasn't God that gave them to you, but one you selected on your own. Wow. So how do we find the help me for, for ourselves? Well, and that's what I'm saying in theory, right? Is that it wasn't us that found them. I mean, right? <laughs> right. I, mean I mean, if you, the thing is that, that, that if, if we do it the way, Old or New Testament set it up, right? Which is, you know, Old Testament, you 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 only marry within your faith, right? New Testament, same thing. It just says it in a different way. So that's a starting point, you know, 
spiritually, that we should only marry within our own faith. So right? what happens when where you get saved, if one spouse gets saved, another spouse decides, like, no, that's not for me. That's the kicker right there, isn't it, right? Because in theory, I'm saying in theory, in theory, if both people are saved, that should make things easier, right? right? But we know that people who are saved get divorced just like people who are not saved get divorced, right? Right. And, and and there are people who both people were in the church and saved and still get divorced, right? In fact, I've had in my, in my counseling, I've had people tell me that they know this person was right for them because God sent them to me. And then two or three years later, they're back in my office and they're saying, this ain't going to work. And, and, and one person walks out of the relationship, right? right? So... You know, I think the thing is that, what well, is it easier because you're saved? You know, is it easier because you're saved? And I think that, to me, is the starting point. Is it truly easier if you both are saved, or is it easier if you both have the same purpose? And I think the latter is true. Not as easy if you're saved. I think it's easier if you both have the same purpose. Because if you both have the same purpose, then you will complement each other. Right. You can both be saved but have different purposes for where God is leading you in your life. Right. You, know I'm, you know what I'm saying? And I think that's where the turmoil comes in. Is right, because one will always be pulling on the other one. Right. That's right. where the, the conflict starts happening. Right. You know, I mean, you, you take, for example, um, let's, you could be both saved, right? One person wants to be in the military as a military career. And one person wants a career as an educator, right? And both people feel that's their purpose. But what strain will that have on a relationship? And both people are saved. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? So I think that's the thing, you know, that that's that's one thing. The other thing is, you know, as you said, what if I got married when neither one of us were saved, and then I got saved and that person didn't get saved? Right. right. How do we reconcile that? How do we how do we deal with that? And 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 that becomes a difficulty, right? But the thing is, is that who has the primary responsibility for being the one that keeps the marriage together in that in that in that standpoint? That's the thing. That's that's the big one right there, right? Because if 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 I'm saved and you're not saved, right? Um, the Bible does say this: if the unsaved is um, does not want to stay there, then they can go. Right. And that you are loosed from the bond, right? right? That's what the Bible says. But what if they do want to stay? If they do want to stay, then the question is, who has primary responsibility? And I think that's the thing that we, you know, we want to deal with because right. person may want to stay. So how do you reconcile that? If one person still want to stay, <laughs> but they want a club, Right. Right. And not that you can't go to club if you, right, you know, right. say, I, yeah. but you know what I'm saying. One person too has that worldliness about them. Right. And one person does not. So that's the thing that deserves, in my own mind, some conversation as well. Yeah, because I would imagine in that scenario that eventually the things that they had in common that got them together would dissolve or be a distant second as the person who is saved. If you you're saved and you keep going down that path and then certain other things that you was doing before no longer interest you, but it's, it's interest to the other person mm -hmm. that could cause an issue. Yeah. I, you, and, 
Right. So mm-hmm. how? <laughs> so and then the Bible is saying the person is unsaved in that scenario mm-hmm. is free to, is can go and you're and everything is fine. Right. So I got a question for you. Uh, okay. First, a two part question. First part: Is there different levels of saved? No. Okay. So if the person is saved but not sanctified and fully with the Holy Ghost, you know what I'm saying? That person that's not going to do that's like I got saved and I'm not going to do anything outside of this thought process. Okay. Right. Right. And you know what I'm talking about? This. The, yeah, yeah. Right. And then I, you got I think the, I do. Yeah. <laughs> And then you got the guy who, or the or the girl, the woman that's saved, mm-hmm. but is not sanctified full with the Holy Ghost, you know, in church, hooting and hollering. But, you know, they know Christ and they follow Christ, but they're not in the church per se, like every weekend. But the other person is. How do we handle that? Well, let me, let me say this, right? Because that's a different than that dynamic, right? <sighs> You're talking about maturity, I guess. Yes, yes. Maturity. Who is the more mature person in the Lord, right? And I think that that's where you're coming from. Um, again, see, it's, it's about the responsibility, okay? So, for example, if one party is not saved and one party is saved, but they decide to stay together, then the primary responsibility lies with the saved person, Okay. Because the Bible says this, and, and, and the way Paul writes it, he's speaking to the woman, and he says that, you know, by your chaste conversation, coupled with fear, that you can win him over, right? So basically what he's saying is that the saved person, and granted he's putting more emphasis on the woman, I guess because he's presuming that the woman would be the one that's, you know, got to, you know, save initially and the man not. Right. But he's putting it on the woman because, you know, that's the only time that the woman has that, spiritual control, right? That that if she exhibits that godliness, if she's being that godly woman and she puts the responsibility on herself to say, you know what, I'm going to show you what it is to be a Christian and how wonderful it is to be a Christian that that man will say to himself, you know what, there's no way I'm going to lose this gym. You know, I think it goes back to our original conversation when we talked about if you want to get a Boaz, you got to learn how to be a Ruth, right? Right, Because no one is going to throw a Ruth away. Right. You know, if you got someone that's loyal, if you got someone that understands your purpose and going to help you achieve your purpose, you know, even if you ain't saved, you're not going to throw that away. Right. You know, but that right. person is helping you get to where you want to go. And so that's why, how the Bible speaks to that. And it works in reverse as well, right? If you are the man that's saved, you know, and, 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 and the wife is unsaved, so you are in, you know, working in different directions. You know, one is worldly, one is not worldly. It's the same thing. You know, a no woman is going to throw away an asset. Right. So it's saying the same thing. If that man presents himself the way the Bible says he should be as a husband, right? If, if I'm a, as a husband, I'm satisfying all of my wife's needs. Okay, let's, let's say she's not saved. She, matter of fact, she's, you know, almost two steps from being a harlot. Wow. Okay, we didn't take it that far because the Bible addresses that too. And it talks about a man, right, whose wife was a prostitute. <laughs> you know, she was a temple prostitute. Right. And God said, I don't care, go get her and bring her back. <laughs> right? So so what then do we do? Well, um, if, if I'm, the Bible says to the man that you should love your wife as Christ loved the church, right? So Christ, 
the Bible teaches us, provides for our every need. So if I'm that man that's providing for her every need and she's comparing me to the other being out there, I, you, can, you can bet your bottom dollar the other men in the club are not giving her her need. Right. They may be exciting, but they're not giving her her needs. And so when she boil it on down, when she got to choose between me who's satisfying her every need and him who just can dance real good in the club and buy drinks, <laughs> right, you right. better believe she's going to choose that one that's satisfying her every need every time. That doesn't mean she's going to be perfect, but that's the person she's going to cling to, one who's satisfying need. So, I, you know, I, I'm not saying it's easy, right? But that's how the scripture says we have to reconcile that kind of relationship, you, you know. Right. So next question, uh, I had asked it off air. Two people marry or want to get married, but in two different religions. Mm-hmm. What is your advice to people out there that's, that's facing something like that? Uh, my advice, it depends on the, the, the religions. That's how I would say it depends on, on the religion. Um, if, I, if I give you the biblical answer, it's straightforward, right? The Bible says, do not be unequally yoked. Right. You know, and so if, if um, you don't practice the same faith, then biblically, you know, you should not be dating someone who's not in your faith. Because if you do fall in love, you're going to marry them, and there's nothing I can say to stop you. Right. And it's going to be problematic. So, I mean, that's the first thing I would say. You know, if, if you know, I don't care how cute the girl is. Right. I don't care how handsome the guy is. If you're, if you're, if you're not in the same faith, then that should, be not, that should not be somebody you're going to date. Okay? Now, if the person just says, you know what, I, you know, I'm, I'm not all Muslim. You know, I right. just don't eat pork. Right. But I'm willing to become a Christian. Right. right. The person has to become a Christian before we date. <laughs> you know, that's why right. I would look at it, you know. Uh, because you, there's some things, in my opinion, that you have to be steadfast on, you know, if you want a good life. And one of the things you have to be steadfast on is your faith. You know, I mean, I don't know how you can live your life, and I don't know how you can grow in your marriage and anything if you if you don't have some things where you say, you know what, I don't compromise on these things, right? And for me, that's one of the things you don't compromise on. Right. I'm not going to compromise on my belief in the God that I serve. And so, therefore, that that right there sets up all parameters. If, if you, you know, I mean, of course, I'm married, but if I was not married and I'm dating, right. if the person was not a believer in, in, in God the Father, God the Son, then... For me, we can be friends. We can go bowling. You know, we can we can <laughs> right. go you know play some right. putt putt golf. But there is not going to be a serious relationship developing. Right. That's my thing. So basically, what you're saying is, even if you're in the you're dating, and you know, sorry, Angie, this question will fall in y'all's in y'all's podcast. But if you're if you're dating, and the person is not saved or not churched, so to speak, or let's say just not saved, mm-hmm. you shouldn't even entertain it is what we're saying. Absolutely. Because that's what the Bible says. Right. right? And, and I know, and, and I know there's some folk that's going, Oh, he don't know what he's talking about. You know, I know what I'm talking about, you don't, but you don't have to agree with me. Right? right. The Bible is clear. 
you know, it says you should not be unequally yoked with unrighteous, right? And so if you're not saved, that makes you unrighteous, you know, and it is what it is, okay? Um, and, and again, for those who, who fall back on the Old Testament, and we got a lot of Old Testament folk who watch the podcast, you know, they only could marry within their faith. You know, God told them, you know, right. don't marry those strangers. You know, even if you're in the land, don't marry the strangers. You know, he said, he, you know, when they were in the land, he said, you build houses, do all this kind of stuff, you know, because you're going to be there for a while. But still, you got to do the righteous thing. So, yeah, my, my thing would be you, you don't put yourself in a position to have a problem down the road. Now, let's, if, if, if you were not saved, and there may be some people who were not saved that watched the podcast, if you were not saved and you married and, um, you, you know, that person has a different faith than you have, um, you're, the, my thing would be you don't sacrifice your faith for them, Right? If you believe in God, you don't change that belief and become a Buddhist. Right. Because they are Buddhists. You, you know. Right. B- because then you must then believe in the first place. And I don't know I don't know how you can do that. I guess that's the other thing. You know, I, I there's no way I could if my wife right now were to become a Buddhist, okay? That she could not convince me to change my beliefs. Right. Because it's just that, you know, in, in me. Now, if we have children, then my thing would be, I'm certainly going to teach them my belief systems. I'm right. going to do that. Now, I, I can't tell you not to teach them yours, but I'm going to teach them my belief system. And then when they become an, of the age of what we call the age of accountability, then they make a choice. And their choice is their choice. You know, I'm not going to get all upset if they choose something that doesn't fit with how I think. Because everybody has a right to bust hell wide open. That's right. how I look at it. The next question is, is religion on the surface more in the behavior of religion culturally based? Because you, when, you, when you say something about being Buddhist, I could literally, I could literally see you say, well, I, will, I can go meditate with you, but I'm not, I'm not going to deny Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, I could see you saying those words. I, I can do all of that. And a person can do all that, but not do culturally based things. Well, I do meditate, what? but not like the way Buddhists meditate. <laughs> okay, but you get what I'm saying, right? I don't, so, I don't, I don't do the chanting, right? Right. Um. Well, here's the thing: I could not, per- I would not participate in the chanting if you were doing it in a spiritual way. Gotcha. Okay, uh, because there's, I'm not going to. Um, be a part of what I would consider to be idol worship, even if I myself don't do it, you know, because that, that the, the Bible teaches us right. that that is not what we are to do. As a matter of fact, uh, interesting you should say that, because as we talked earlier about the Jerusalem Council, that was one of the things that the Jerusalem, the Jerusalem and for people who don't know, the Jerusalem Council is in the book of Acts. That, that's one of the things that they brought about, brought out is that, they said there, 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 there are things that Gentiles should be taught. And, and one of the things that they should be taught is to not eat meat given to idols and to flee fornication. And when they were saying not eat meat given to idols, their point was don't participate in any way in any form of idol worship. 
You know, those were the two parameters. Right. They didn't say you couldn't lie. They didn't say you couldn't cheat. They didn't say you couldn't steal. They said, teach the Gentiles <laughs> not to participate in idol worship and to flee fornication. So the thing was, you know, don't do things lustfully with your body that you know God don't want, and don't worship idols in any way. So from that standpoint, you know, I, I would not do right, that, even right. though, you know, it might seem benign. I don't consider it benign because it's, it's in direct contradiction, you know. So basically, if you was in a situation to where you are, you're in another country, mm-hmm. and it's, you're in, let's say you're in Dubai, and, and they're doing something that's culturally for them, but it's, it's Muslim-based, you would not participate in it, is what you're saying. Not if it was geared to their worship practice. Now, right. even though Muslim Muslims and Hebrews and Christians are like first cousins, you know, right. because the you know we know the history of the Muslim faith is tied to Judaism, right? Right, you know, and that's why it's the same process. And and truth of fact, it's the same God. I mean, I know folk gonna get mad, but it really is the same God. In fact. Allah means the one true God, right? That's what it means. And, and the one true God they are talking about is the same God of Abraham that, you know, Judaism says, you know, the God of Abraham. I, I'm, I'm actually so, very shocked yeah. that you said that. It, it, it's a fact, right? <laughs> so, I don't have a problem with facts. I got a problem with fiction, okay? <laughs> so, so that's what I'm saying. They're, they're kinfolk, you know, it, it, it really is, right? As a matter of fact, the Mecca, you know, was was originally, uh, uh, um, you know, a, a, a worship place that was Judaism, right? And just taken over by, you know, right. by by, by uh, Muslims. So that's that's closely related, and, and and of course we know Christianity and, and Judaism is closely related because you know that that's why we defend ferociously, right. you know, their right to survive, right. So, it, it, would I worship the same God they worship? Yeah, because I worship the same God they worship. Um, there are some certain tenets about what they believe that I don't believe. Right. Like, you know, I believe Jesus is the son of God. They believe Jesus is just a wise prophet. Right. Right. Um, so, that, you know, that, that's, the, that's the main difference. Um, but there's nothing that I can think of in their worship that is contradictory to the way we worship other than just that, 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 and that is, that's a major thing now, but I mean the way they worship. Right. Right. Uh, because turning toward Mecca and praying is not, they're not worshiping an idol. <laughs> they're still worshiping the one true God. Right. So even if I were to pray to God, you know, at the same time, it's like, it ain't like I'm worshiping an idol. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it's not a whole lot that I could see that would be totally different. So if, you know, if I had to stop everything, you know, and they don't require, they don't require me to kneel. Right. It's just, Hey, you just stop. Right. I ain't got a problem stopping, you know, because that's not me participating in an idol worship thing. And what's ironic in Dubai, they don't even really require the people to like the, the guys chanting the prayer and mm-hmm. people still, walk, you know, walking around. I was like, well, I thought we were supposed to, but they just kept running. That's in Dubai. Now, I we'll know. say that. Right, because that's tourist town. Right. <laughs> and in tourist town, right. that's right. a whole different ball game. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so, 
Yeah. So I, that, that was one. Um, uh, I had thought of that question mm-hmm. uh, a couple weeks ago, actually. Like, because um, I was I, actually I was listening to another podcast, and it was the guy was Jewish and his wife was Christian, and they were saying how they raising their children, you know, to be dual faith. And I was like, I wonder how that's working. And you know, during Christmas, and you know, and that whole time frame, and and then Passover, like how they're handling all of that, you know, because as a kid, you got to be like, okay, which one is most important? And you just basically say all of it. <laughs> you're a kid, the one to give you the most, the most toys, toys, right? You know, so and again, see, again, because there's because those religions are so closely aligned. The the only difference between the way Hebrews think and we think primarily is the role of Jesus. Right. Okay. And 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 there are Christian Jews, actually. We know that. And in fact, um, um, the, Josephus, which is a you know Jewish historian, he writes about Jesus. It's not a whole lot because you know he recognized Jesus as a prophet, but he also says that. If he is not the son of God, he's the closest thing that ever came to it. <laughs> and he based that on the miracles that right. Jesus performed. Um, but, of course, as a Jewish historian, he couldn't, you know, they won't go and finance that book. Because back then, you know, people had to finance you, your, your writing that material because it was very expensive to do a book back then. Uh, so his financiers happened to be Jews, so they won't go and pay him to write something to say that Christ was, that Jesus was the Christ. Right. Right. Um, but at any rate... You know the, the religions are so close together. I think that that's e- that's an easy reconciliation. That's an easy you know thing to say. Hey, listen, you know we can teach you the Torah and we can teach you you know the the the, uh, the, the Bible. You know because they you know one 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 sits on the other right. as far as its authenticity goes. 